Okay, considering I'm part of it, this is probably not the best way to hype up Friday's trade deadline day, but yesterday was trade deadline. Well, at least that's how it felt. Well, really, this weekend was trade deadline weekend, and I know there's still some big deals on the horizon this week. There's a Pat Kane deal we'll talk to Elliot about here in a couple of moments. That's either going to happen on Wednesday or Thursday. It will not happen on Friday, and another superstar comes off the board as we head into trade deadline week, knowing that, by the way, by the time we get to the end here on Friday, uh, when we all hit the airwaves here, I don't know how much we will be talking about or how much we'll be wondering about. And could the big story be, I don't know, where does Justin Braun end up? Anyhow, that was trade deadline weekend, and most specifically, that was trade deadline day yesterday. That's the way it felt. Going to go over these things in a couple of more moments here. Uh, Elliot stops by in a couple of moments. Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. He covers the Winnipeg Jets for us. Uh, we'll talk about Kevin Dayoff's move, bringing in Nino Niederreiter, and is Dayoff done, or do the Winnipeg Jets still need more? If you watch yesterday's game against the Islanders, you're probably saying, yeah, they still need more. Tom Fitzgerald will stop by to kick off Hour 2, New Jersey Devils general manager. Um, they won. They got the guy. They got Timo Meyer. We'll go over what the price was and what they got in addition as well and how they got there. But at the end of the day, what do managers always talk to you about? We got the player. And the New Jersey Devils got the player. And it's trending towards a New Jersey Devils, New York Rangers first round matchup in the playoffs and I'm telling you and I'm not in the minority on this one I am here for it much like I am here for a Tampa Bay Lightning Toronto Maple Leafs first round matchup as well we're going to get to that in a couple of moments uh, in the meantime uh, I want to say a couple of things about David Boyle so David Boyle steps down as the general manager of the Nashville Predators uh, he has been the GM since day one. Barry Trotz, who is working right now with David Boyle, um, will take over officially on July 1st. But essentially, he's working right now with Boyle as they navigate the waters here for trade deadline. Tanner Juneau goes to the Tampa Bay Lightning yesterday, showing everybody that David Boyle still has something left on his fastball. Cal Foot, a first, a second, a third, a fourth, and wait for it, a fifth as well for Tanner Janot. And as a couple of people have pointed out, um, in what world is Tanner Janot worth more than Timo Meyer? But we'll get to all these things here in a couple of moments. What I want to say about David Poyle is, um, as we look at his legacy in the game, and first of all, the Poyle name, going back to his father, Bud, certainly, um, that name around hockey circles is royalty. You know, the Poyle name, we have a lot of names that are royalty around hockey, uh, whether it's the Patricks, the Richards, etc. Like, there are a lot of royal hockey names around the sport, and I put the Poyles right up there with it. Um, David Poyle, previously running the Washington Capitals, uh, at a very, very tough time when Oh, I don't know. The Islanders had a dynasty and then the Philadelphia Flyers became one of the best teams in the NHL and were often, you know, uh, seen in the Stanley Cup final against the Edmonton Oilers. Just a real tough time, but he put together a very competitive team for a number of years. And then with Nashville, like I know with Nashville, we'll look at his resume and say he built it from zero and built it up to a team that went to the Stanley Cup final and along the way developed some elite level players and provided some great hockey action in a brand new market. Here's how I'm going to think about David Poyle, specifically with Nashville. So 
both my boys play high-end hockey, and so every year I get emails for tournaments that they can be part of. And every year for the past, I don't know, however many years, whether it's, you know, Brick Series or whatever, there are always major hockey tournaments in Nashville. Now, Nashville as an NHL market has become destination programming. Like, I always have believed that every single hockey fan should have the Montreal uh, Saturday night, 701, the lights dim, cold plays, fix you hits, and it's ghosts of the forum and the spotlight. And it's a one of the great moments that every hockey fan should experience. Um, and every hockey fan should also experience Nashville. Every hockey fan should experience what it feels like to be in that rink, be around that rink, be on the strip, all of it, to have the Nashville Predators hockey experience. But to me, the most impressive thing is how David Poyle, and I want to throw Barry Trotz into this as well because he was really important as well, have built a grassroots and youth hockey program. I helped open up that market to the point where there are kids in Canada whose parents, you know, 30, 40 years ago would have said, not a chance, a tournament in Nashville? There's no hockey in Tennessee, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there is, and it is vibrant, and it is profitable, and there are a lot of kids playing, and that will continue. And a lot of that is because of the work of David Poyle. Take a bow, David Poyle. That is part of your hockey resume. Ken Weeb, Tom Fitzgerald, Adam Vingan as well from Sportsnet and SportLogic has covered the Preds for a number of years. But joining me next from Hockey Night and 32 Thoughts, what a trade deadline weekend that was, Elliot Friedman. Let's get started. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome to the program. Looking forward to Tom Fitzgerald and getting as uh, as behind the scenes as we can on the Timo Meyer deal and how he was able to, to pull this off. Uh, in the meantime, Elliot Friedman is aboard from Hockey Night and 32 Thoughts, who has had about, I'd say, probably a cozy six, maybe seven hours sleep in the last 72 hours, I would assume. How are you today, Fareej? How are you holding up? Sorry, I just I just woke up. What did you say? <laughs> That's right. Uh, brush your teeth, drag a comb through your hair, uh, scrape a razor across your face. It's it's time to get back to work and, and sing for your <laughs> supper. Um, started off by talking about Nashville and David Poyle. I want to get to the trades here, whether it's Nita Ryder, whether it's Tanner Janot, and what may be on the horizon You know, next for Nashville here. Um, I was just yeah. talking about how I'm going to, uh, how I'm going to think about David Poyle and his yeah. Nashville days, like his Washington, his Washington days. Like he put together really good Washington Capitals teams. You know, the problem was he was competing against a dynasty with the Islanders. The problem was he was competing against, you know, a, 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 a super competitive Philadelphia Flyers squad as well. Um, but as far as Nashville goes, I'll think about how they essentially created a hockey market at all levels, going right down to grassroots, youth hockey, etc., from pretty much out of nothing. How do you look at the legacy of David Poyle? You know, you're talking about that Washington team. I was talking to somebody this morning, Dave, uh, 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 Jeff, and they were saying to me that, you know, they remembered those those Philly-Washington games and how tough they were. Oh. And, in the, and, in the, and in the playoffs, um, <clears throat> what, the, what the Flyers would do is, they would tell whether it was Dave Brown or somebody like that, like one or Rick Tockett, like one of their really tough players. It is your job to get Rod Langway off the ice. So you know, Langway, I think he won two Norris trophies, at least one, maybe two, as the best defenseman in the NHL. Um, but there was the, the job was that you had to get to make him so mad that he would fight you, and then the Capitals wouldn't have yeah. him 
four times during the games. And that was their job. That's, that was one of the strategies to beating the Capitals. And then the Capitals went out and they got some fighters so that those guys would fight the Flyer guys and Langway wouldn't have to. Like, <laughs> I mean, just think about what the game was like four years ago. It was, it was hilarious and it was crazy. <laughs> anyway, yeah. you know, like, you know, like the thing to me is, you know, you, you take a look at those, those four teams that came in around that time. Like, um, you know, Nashville, um, you know, I think people understood, you know, Minnesota, but, you know, I, I think we looked at a place like Nashville as a real curiosity. And I, if I remember correctly, they had to come in first because the, the Titans were moving from Houston where they, where they were the Houston Oilers. And the NHL was concerned about that. They, they, like, one of the things that the NHL has really hit big is Vegas. You know, they go into Vegas first. They show what a huge success it can be. And now the Raiders are going there and baseball and basketball are talking about it. So like uh, looking at that, they sped up the evolution of the Predators when, when the Houston Oilers were moving there. And you remember like, we're such snobs, Jeff, we're such snobs. Like, you know, what we used to think of (laughs) hockey in Tennessee, like what a joke this is don't deserve to be in the league. And now you can't imagine the league without them. And I, and I think that's his biggest legacy is he built something that a lot of people really made fun of and into one of the league's better franchises. I, I I think there's some, there's something really to be said for that. You know what? And he, and he went through a lot of tough times. And I think of that time where Jim Balsillie was trying to buy the team and move it to Hamilton Yeah, and the entire NHL was upside down and he had to, you know, shepherd this Nashville Predators team, try to keep it competitive, continue to grow it. Well, there was, you know, the evil guy from Research in Motion trying to, to steal his team and, and stick it at Cops Coliseum. Like, he had so many headaches all along the way, yet through all of it, like, it was, it was honestly, it was the steady hand of David Poyle. There was, no over, there was never time where we said, oh, Nashville is overreacting here or Nashville is desperate here. Like there were moments like, you know, make the trade for, for Peter Forsberg and, you know, try to do whatever you can to get to get goal scoring in the lineup. But it was a really steady, even veteran hand from someone who I mentioned off the top. Like we think of, you know, certain names around the game going back decades. Like the Poyle name is hockey royalty around the NHL. Yeah. And one of the things that I always think of is how he was able to shepherd the Predators through the the uh, the Jim Balsillie uh, Jim Balsillie time, um, you know, when it came to this week, and I'm going to talk to Tom Fitzgerald about this coming up in hour two. You know, Timo Meyer was one of the big stories that everybody was following. I know there was some damage along the way. Um, some teams, you know, miffed that they uh, didn't end up with Timo Meyer. But at the end of all of it. What did you make of what the San Jose Sharks got uh, and the New Jersey Devils now loading up for a, you know, we assume first-round opponent of the New York Rangers who have Patrick Kane on the horizon will get there soon? Well, I think this. I, I think that um, there were teams that offered, like I think St. Louis offered two guaranteed first-rounders. I don't know that for sure, but I, I believe they did. I think there were other teams uh, like, you know, Carolina, I think, that offered, you know, similar kind of player structure, but not the potential necessarily for two uh, guaranteed first rounders. And this deal has one plus the shot of another. I, I think this deal was the biggest in terms of 
quantity of picks, prospects, NHL-ready players, like everything that San Jose kind of wanted. And I think that's why they ultimately chose this deal. You know, from the beginning, we all, a lot of us thought New Jersey. And, you know, it doesn't always work out that way, but it did work out (laughs) that way this time. And um, so I I think the Sharks, I don't think they want to do a full rebuild. I I think the owner wants no part of that. So I think they wanted some guys who could at least play now, and they got it. I don't think they're that crazy about their prospect pool. They added some more players to it, and they've got a shot at one first-round draft pick and potentially two. And, you know, the thing here is, you know, Meyer isn't signed. And um, yep. I, I, I heard this morning, actually, that it became pretty clear through the process that Meyer was not going to be signing with New Jersey at this point in time. Now, he may still do it. That may change. But at least for the purposes of getting the deal done, it was not going to be with an extension. And so... Like, that changes your dynamic a little bit. And I think so it probably hurt the Sharks a little bit in terms of maybe getting that second first-round pick guaranteed in this deal. But I think it was the most of what the Sharks wanted, which was picks, prospects, and a couple of players who could play now. I will say this. The, the one guy who wasn't in the deal that I kind of thought would be was Sharon Govich. I, um, I had heard, like, I, like, it, and th- that may be a summer decision. Like, he's going to be, he's going to get a nice raise in ARB. And I, depending on what the yeah. Devils do with Meyer and Brat and everything, it might be harder to keep him. I thought the Sharks might get him for that reason, but I can't fault the Devils for, like, wanting to hold on to him yeah. at least through the rest of this season. That one, because I think we're all wondering that if they do extend Timo Meyer, there's going to be a squeeze and someone's going to be the odd player out. And I think yeah. we do wonder if that's going to be Sharon Govich because I'm, I'm with you on Brad. That one looked like it's headed um, for a long-term big ticket ex- uh, extension there. Um, so we're looking forward to the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers. We're looking forward to the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And now and we'll get back to Nashville. Tanner Janot goes for Cal Foot. A first, a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. And, yeah. you know, one of the strengths of the Tampa Bay Lightning that we've always talked about, you know, outside of the big guns, Kucherov and Stamkos and Sorelli, uh, Victor Hedman, go right down the list to say nothing of the net minding of Andre Vasilevsky, their bottom six is where they kill you. And mm-hmm. now you have a bottom six that is, we talk about being miserable to play against. Um, you've just added Tanner Janot to a mix that includes Nick Paul, um, Ross Colton, Pat Maroon, Pierre Edward Belmar, and some guy by the name of Corey Perry. Can you think of a more miserable bottom six to play against in the playoffs, Elliot? Uh, it's like it's it's like broadcasting with certain people I know who are miserable. Uh, no, that's that's going to be pretty. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's going to be pretty miserable. No question about it. And and I think the most interesting thing is is what it might do to Toronto. Um, First of all, you know, like nobody was surprised when, when Tampa was the team that got, got Janot. Like nobody was shocked yeah. at all. Like that, that was Tampa. Um, and, and you're right, it, it's going to make them really difficult. We all know Toronto's looking for a defenseman. 
Genova's a guy who's probably going to play against a lot of depth defensemen for Toronto. Like, are, is Toronto looking at this right now and saying, okay, we were looking at some various D. Now do we need Tampa's depth lines are now even going to be more punishing? Is it even, is it even yeah. more important that Toronto looks at a Radko Gudis or a Scott Mayfield or a Luke Shed? I'm not even convinced Mayfield's available. I just keep putting his name there because I think – I think he'd be a perfect fit. I just don't even know if that's even viable. But like, like I look mm-hmm. at that, and and I wonder if that makes Toronto say, okay, we, we, we now that they have this, and we know we're going to deal with this, is that the kind of defenseman that we need to go get? And so I, I think we're all wondering what's the counter move for the Leafs going to be. And the other thing too is, I still think Tampa's looking for defense, so they're probably looking at a lot mm-hmm. of the same players. What could Tampa possibly offer at this point, Elliot? I don't know. You, you, look you want to talk about cupboards being bare. <laughs> somebody's, uh, somebody's unborn child. I, I, have, I have no idea. But like, the thing is, Tampa, they just say to hell with it. They're, they're going with this window as yeah. long as they can. You know, I was talking. I mentioned this on the podcast. I was talking to one manager last night, or texting with one manager who said this makes perfect sense for Tampa. You you can, you can afford to overpay because you can justify it by saying we might win the Stanley Cup. We're that close. We might be able to do it. And the team that he's mm-hmm. part of isn't near it. And they said, like, look, I'd love to. We'd love to have Tanner Janot, but we're nowhere close to having the luxury of overpaying. You know, we thought of that yeah. with Brandon Hagel. We think of that with Tanner Janot. There is that element of it doesn't matter if we overpay. If we get the Stanley Cup, none of it matters, which is why I'm really wondering about the Dallas Stars here. Like, this is a team that we look at that have key pieces at every single position, um, have the goalie deep on the blue line, can score up front, veteran guys, like guys that get you through the playoffs. Like, I look at Dallas and I say, and I know they've been in a lot of these guys, but I look at Dallas and I say, I know we always talk about windows. This is a great window for the Dallas Stars. Now, I know they made the Gurian off the Donoff deal yesterday, but I can't believe that Dallas isn't being more aggressive here or isn't, and maybe because it's about the entire West, that someone isn't jumping up and saying, you know what? It's a jump ball here in the West. We're going to try to distinguish ourselves and stick our, stick our head up above the, uh, above the crowd. I'm a little bit surprised too, but as someone from the West said to me this morning, these things are cyclical. I said, touche, you've kind of got me on that one. Um, You know, I, but I I think they're still looking. I mean, what what are we looking at right now, Jeff? A lot of the big forwards are gone. Um, Yep. uh, The D, there's a lot of D out there and everybody's playing poker. It's a big card game right now. There's a lot of sellers. And the buyers are saying, we're going to try to make you sweat. Okay. The goalies, it doesn't seem to be that there's a huge goalie market. Although, to be honest, like, I've kind of wondered if the Kings might, like, I, I know everybody said Saros is, is, is untouchable here, but I got to think they at least make a call after what everything's happened, after everything that's happened this weekend. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I, I, so what I'm trying to figure out is, What's left? And, and you know what the other thing that I'm, I start thinking about now? I generally think about it a lot, but you really think about it now is, what are we missing? There's always stuff going on out there that we don't see, 
right? So mm-hmm. what are we yep. what are we not seeing? You know what I wonder about, Elliot? I wonder uh, about the Calgary Flames. And is there someone or a couple of players on the Flames? Should they make the decision that it's not going to happen for us? They end up being the team that surprises everybody with the deal. Like, we kind of saw Washington coming. They're falling out, yeah. we're talking about bad math, and boom, Orloff and Hathaway go to the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. They're just going to punt temporarily, reload, and come right back at this thing next year. Ovi's chasing Gretzky. We all know that story. I wonder about the Flames. I really do. I, I wonder if they if they make that decision similar to the Washington Capitals, that, you know, we're, we're, we're not punting with the idea that we're rebuilding but we're punting with a short-term idea that this is going to be painful, but we only want it to be painful for a short amount of time. We'll make our off-ice decisions in the off-season, but right now maybe the smartest thing we can do is look to next season. That's the team that I wonder about. I think that the, the way I would look at that is this. I don't think it was their plan. Um um, I, I, uh, I don't think that was the plan. I, I, I don't, obviously. What I do think mm-hmm. is that other teams are going to call. And look, like, so I think if Calgary's going to be, if Calgary's going to change their route here or do something that none of us really expected they were going to do, I think it's going to be because somebody forces them to do it. Like, like, like one guy said to me yesterday, for the teams that lost out on mine, okay, you're looking around and you're saying there's, there's nobody that we know of right now who's available that, that is a, a, a replacement. Like, there's nobody really even a replacement. He was the top guy. But you're saying, okay, what's yeah. the next best thing that's still out there? And there really isn't a ton left because a lot of the big forwards are gone. However... What you then say is, okay, yeah, who, who do we think is maybe not available before but is on a struggling team and maybe we, maybe we hear what they have to say? Maybe they've changed their mind or we're going to get them to change their mind or at least try to do it. And I think Calgary is going to be one of those mm-hmm. teams. I, I think people are going to call them. They're going to look at the standings. They're going to look at their math. They're going to call the Flames, and they're going to say, look, what uh, – are you thinking anything here? What about X guy? What about B guy? What about, I realize I'm not doing the alphabet in proper order here, but like, like <laughs> what, what are we, what are we thinking here? And like, I, I think that's going to happen. Like, you know, the way this league works, Jeff, there's no way teams aren't calling them and asking them, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. You know, the other, um, the other team, actually, you know, before before we get there, we've done like 20 minutes here and we haven't mentioned Pat Kane, and that's on me. I'm a bad host. Um, <laughs> we saw what happened with Ryan Carpenter and with Schneider yesterday. Carpenter with the 13 seconds and the defenseman with bagels uh, across the board. Yeah. We know why they're doing it. I know people are upset about it and don't like it, mainly on the mm-hmm. you know player-slash-agent side. But the upside yeah. is you're going to get Pat Kane, and it's only a matter of 
time here. Yes. Your thoughts on on what's happening right now with Patrick Kane? Um, he's gone home to, as his you know, as his agent Pat Brisson says, um, engage in some reflection. <laughs> which is yes. uh, which I really like. I, I enjoy that po- that poetry from Pat Prisson. Um What's happening right now with with Patrick Kane and 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 walk us through the dominoes for this week? Well, first of all, I would like to say I do a lot of reflection every morning. I stare at myself in the mirror and I really love what I see. I just have to tell everybody that. <laughs> I know. Uh, and you put on Instagram uh, on a regular basis. <laughs> no, I I, I I'm not that. a thirst trap kind of guy. I got to tell you, I, I, I'm really not because <laughs> I don't. Th- I don't think people would be very thirsty. Put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of look at it like, like, look, we all know what's happening here. Like, you know, like initially, like I'll tell you, like. I was kind of laughing a little bit about it last night. And then one, as I mentioned to you on the pod, one of the agents kind of snapped at me about it because of how lightly I was, I was taking it. I, I look, no team is putting yeah. themselves through these hoops without a reason. And we all know what the reason is. It's Patrick Kane. And I look at the end goal. It's, it's, it's short-term pain for long-term gain. And it's also, it's also something that the whole league benefits from, but you know, like, this is going to be huge for the NHL. Patrick Kane on Broadway is going to be huge for the NHL, both in hockey circles and outside of hockey circles. And people have to understand, like, that's important. Um, you know, that, that matters. I mean, look at, what we're, look at what we could be seeing in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs this year. Whether you like the playoff system or not, we're, we're looking at, at least, like Toronto-Tampa Rangers jersey like those are dynamite looking series. Oof. And, yep. um, you know, so basically what's going to happen is, you know, people were asking if the player dresses in the lineup, but doesn't play, does that mean the salary doesn't count against the cap? No, that's not the way it works. But nope. what it does, if a person plays and gets hurt, then, you know, you can't send them back down to the minors today to create the cap room. So that's what the Rangers were doing. They, they didn't want to get guys to get hurt. Like when they didn't let Lecision and Kravtsov practice on Friday, people were like, oh, does that mean their salary doesn't count against the cap if they don't practice? No, that's not what it means. What it means no. is they don't want these guys to get injured so that they can't move them. Like, like I heard the, I, like someone even said to me, like they heard like the, the players just wanted to skate and they were told, you know, sorry, we can't let you do that. We can't take the risk. So <laughs> I think right now, the latest math I get this morning, I think the earliest they can do this is Wednesday. Now, if Miller gets suspended, then his salary doesn't come off the cap. Um, but uh, I, I still think it, it was all the because they don't play again until Wednesday. I think the earliest this can happen is Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, just getting a note. Oh, Vancouver Canucks sending out the note on JT Miller, who won't play tonight, didn't make the trip to Dallas. Uh, Canucks for JT Miller is out week to week with a lower body injury. Does that quell all the rumors, Fridge? Does anything quell the rumors in Vancouver? No, it doesn't. And at this time of year, we always, you know, wonder who's who's bending the truth. You know, who's doing a a ninety minute yoga class with the truth. We wonder who's putting themselves in a pretzel uh, around the truth. So, no, I'm I'm very much with you. But I'm just putting it out there as a matter of fact and a matter of course. Well, we were saying that JT Miller is week to week. Well, like I said, or like I remember a couple of weeks ago, I think it was not this past Saturday, but a week ago Saturday. So. 
nine days ago. I said that, you know, the Canucks were looking around and, and teams were calling them just to say what they would do, see what they would do if they wanted to make the move. And I was just told it was incredibly unlikely. Um, I think the Canucks were told by at least one team that if they wanted to make the move, like it would, it would not be easy and it would cost them. And I think the Canucks know that. I think everybody knows that. And so I don't think anything changed from last week to this. Do I think teams may have called? Absolutely, I think teams may have called. But I think the Canucks know that the path to any kind of trade like that is at this particular time mm-hmm. is not an easy one. So I think it's, uh, I think right, it's more. I, I think it's much more. I think it's much more likely not to happen than happen. Right. All right, uh, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, we're wondering what Ken Holland has up his sleeve. What they're looking for? Uh, could the blockbuster be there? We talked not too long ago about Eric Carlson. Uh, we've wondered about other players. We talked on the podcast about Sam Lafferty. Um, what do yeah. you think Ken Holland has planned here? Well, I, I think I, I think he's, as you said, I think he's taken some big swings. I think he's looked at Carlson. I I, I absolutely think they pitched Patrick King. I think both those things occurred. <laughs> you know, they're not going to yep. happen. Um, <laughs> like, I, like with the Nashville thing opening up this weekend, uh, I think I, I, I have no doubt them and others are going to be in on Ekholm. But I think it's an enormously complicated deal to do for teams that are close to the cap, like like Edmonton is, and I and I think and and even a team like Toronto would be. I think it will be costly. Um, do I, I? I have no doubt he's in it though. Like, I think Edmonton has the same kind of feeling that Toronto and Tampa do, that some of these teams looking for D are going to panic or trying to trade D are going to panic or get sweaty, and they can try to take advantage of that. I, I definitely think he's in that game. Um, but, you know, Nashville definitely changed the conversation this past week, and I think they'll be talk about Ekholm. And, um, but, mm. look, he's he, big and small. He's looking to take swings. But I think at the end of the day, mm-hmm. he's going to look for the best deal he can make. And I think while they talked about puck movers, I think they also recognize that some of their defensive deficiencies have come to the forefront in the last week or two, and they know they got to address that. Uh, here's a whopper. Uh, by Friday at 3 o'clock Eastern, and I hope the answer is yes to this one, but who knows? And again, it's still early. It's, it's Monday, 1230 Eastern. Um, do we get a conclusion to the Jacob Chikrin saga? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. I mean, the thing that's good for Arizona and Chikrin is I think there's a few more teams in it now. So I think that always, that like, like the one team that we've all talked about is LA and teams have said that LA's made it very clear that there's a limit to what they'll do. And obviously they haven't crossed that limit with Arizona. So that's why they don't have them. Look, I think Washington's in there now. I think Pittsburgh's been in there. Um, I, I would think St. Louis. Um, I think Ottawa's just said no again. It's, it's too rich for them. So far, L.A., too rich for them. Yeah. You know what? I just really think that the, the challenge here for Arizona and Chickering is with some of these teams like Washington and Pittsburgh is even though like Washington started to sell, they still don't have a lot of capital, like future or draft capital. Mm-hmm. And so I think they're looking at it like, do we give all of it up or most of it up for one player? And so I, I think that that is another thing that these teams are battling right now. So, and the other thing that's really hard, Jeff, is 
I think there's been at least two trades that with them that have not been able to get done. One for sure. And one I believe that have not been able to get done because of future money. And I just think because Chickren's got two more years and that's what makes him attractive to a lot of these yeah. teams, a lot of the teams have to give money back and Arizona's not really showing an inclination to do that. So I think that adds another hurdle. Right. But God, I hope it happens. We shall see. Uh, I would, I, I would feel so bad for Jacob Chickren if he goes through too. another trade deadline uh, and he's still not moved. Do you, do you have a sense of like, if, I mean, we'll see with Los Angeles, but uh, whether or not they can arrive at some type of situation where they bring in Jacob Chickren, do you think LA stands path this week? Like they have a lot of defensemen to play with. I, I think they really want to do something. I do. But like I said, I think, I think Rob Blake has an eye on what he thinks is too much. And I don't think he wants to, I think he wants to avoid that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Listen, great stuff over the weekend. Um, whether it was the, uh, the Nashville situation, the Patrick Kane situation, the Timo Meyer situation, um, really good work. Now do it all again for five more days leading up to deadline. <laughs> I will be happy when this is all over. Although like, you know, you can see yesterday, the fans loved it and that's what matters. If the fans are happy, oh. We're generally happy. Yeah. Yeah, five more days of that, please, and save something for Friday, or else Elliot and I are going to be doing parlor tricks for uh, eight or nine hours. Uh, thanks, Fred. Well, yeah, no, you know what the best thing about that is? If nothing happens on Friday, Jeff, you and I don't have to do anything. We're going to see the true skills of David Ambers, Kevin right. Bieksa. We know Bieksa has no skill. Um, but like like the David Ambers, the Bissonettes, <laughs> the Ryan Getzlavs, the Carolyn yeah. Cameron, the Anthony Stewart, the Botterills. Let's like go. They, they're going to yeah. have to be the ones at work. Yeah, you can just sit there and see the top of our heads as we look down at our phones. That's about it. That'll be our shot. Or either just I don't know. I'll bring in a, I'll bring in a football. We can toss or bring a couple of gloves uh, and a baseball. We can uh, you know work on our uh, work on our, our curveballs and our sliders. But um, if it is a quiet day, we're going to be the ones with the feet on the desk. But not Amber and crew. They're working. No, they're working. They're working. Thanks, Fridge. All right, bye, Jeff. Thanks, buddy. Uh, from 32 Thoughts in Hockey Night in Canada, the one and only Elliot Friedman.